You are listening to The Poet Cast, a podcast produced by the Whittier College Office of Admission, where we discuss topics to help you navigate the college search process. On this episode, we're joined by a couple of experts from the college counseling world to discuss letters of recommendation for your college applications, tips on approaching potential recommenders, determining the right person to submit a recommendation on your behalf, and appropriate ways to follow up and keep everyone in the loop. All that and more on the PoetCast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PoetCast. My name is Adriana Prena, and I'm the Enrollment Communications Manager at Whittier College. Today, we are covering the who, what, when, and why of submitting letters of recommendation. I'm joined today by two colleagues of mine who work in college counseling or on the other side of the desk, as we call it in the admissions world, Katie Mitchell Dodge and Herbie Walker. So thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Um, so Kitty, uh, would you mind telling us or telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you for having us. My name is Katie Mitchell Dodge. I am a college counselor at Maryville Prep Academy in Phoenix, Arizona. We are one of the Great Hearts Academies. I have been in college admission and college counseling for over 15 years. We'll stop counting um, after the 15 mark, which happened a year or two ago. Um, but I love helping students find that best fit when it's coming to college. I have worked at a private school here in the Valley um, and was on the other side of the desk for several years prior to that. So excited to talk about letters of recommendation with y'all today. Thank you. And Herbie, tell us about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Herbie Walker. I'm at the Faith Lutheran High School at uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Currently, I'm serving the role of Director of School Climate and College Counseling. I have been in working in college counseling since 2006 um, to varying degrees, nonprofit, charter world, um, public schools, private schools, uh, for the most part, serving low-income students. And I have, uh, um, I am also the uh, President-elect for the Western Association of College Admissions Counselors. Yay, how exciting. Um, okay, so letters of recommendation. Um, letters of recommendation as part of the application process are pretty important, um, especially for those of us who read applications. So of course, your application is your opportunity to put your best foot forward, to talk about yourself um, and all of your accolades and everything. Uh, but letters of recommendation are special in that it allows us to see that third person um, or it allows, it allows you to see you uh, from somebody else's eyes. Um, and so Katie and Herbie, what types of things do you like to cover when you're writing letters of recommendation? Uh, what I like to cover is, uh, as a counselor, the growth of the student. And I have been fortunate enough to work in schools where the uh, student body is small enough where I can really see a student improve over four years. And I like to add perspective that you can't typically get within a teacher recommendation. So I can see how a student um, may have been apprehensive about, let's say, entering an honors program and some of those internal conversations that we had um, and, and how they become an AP or an IB student and entering those programs by the end of their senior year. Um, there's a different level of growth that you see from being on the outside of the classroom um, that I, I feel that that perspective is absolutely essential where um, the snapshot of the classroom performance is absolutely critical. I think there's a lot of 
there's a lot of value in showing off the growth. And I, I think that's where, um, as counselors, I think that's where the, the focus should lie. Now, as a counselor, I love also adding some more context about our school environment. Uh, we're part of a network of 13 schools in the Valley now, I think, mm -hmm. and our school is very different than our sister academies. And so giving the context, showing the growth that Kirby mentioned, but also in the context of our community here, that our teachers, I would rather that they focus on those classroom experiences and, and giving that lens where sometimes I call it a catch-all or I can talk with a student and if there's one thing that they really wanna talk about but there's not a great place for them to do it, I love being able to add that to my letter to just help provide context to the admission committee. Cool, thank you guys. So a few things to remember when asking people to uh, submit your letters of recommendation. Remember, uh, people, individuals such as coaches and administrators um, tend to act more as character references, especially if it's an administrator that you've not necessarily taken a class with or worked directly with. Um, and that we're gonna, the meat of our information is really gonna come from your counselors and your teachers. Um, why don't we talk about some things to avoid when looking to uh, ask somebody to write your letter of recommendation. So my first thing is friends of your parents who might be high connections, but don't know you necessarily. Um, that's a personal pet peeve of me. So your dad could be best friends with a congressman, the president of the United States, an ambassador. But if that individual doesn't know who you are, it's not really a letter of recommendation on your behalf. Do you guys have anything to add to that? <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> you bringing up the the <laughs> president or president or future president or sitting congressperson. Mm -hmm. I've I've heard those comment. I've heard those comments a few times in my career where it's like, well, I, I know um, oh. a, a, a my my dad's <clears throat> my dad's friend knows Barack Obama, and I think we can get a recommendation from him. It's like, well. If you, unless he can speak specifically to you, I, I'm not sure how much value is going to add. The only exception I think I would be, uh, I would mention is in the uh, case of those who are applying to the service academies where you do require a congressional recommendation. But if that's not the area you're looking at, I think it's probably best to avoid um, the, the, the celebrity or the high profile uh, letter of recommendation. Mm -hmm. I agree. Do you guys have anything, uh, any other notes as far as like what to avoid when students are getting ready to ask people to write their letters of recommendation? I absolutely do. And it's, it's more of what to do than what to avoid, but make sure that you are asking teachers that see you in different subject areas or different parts of a classroom, maybe a classroom that has a lot of participation and then a class where maybe you struggled and you've been able to grow. So the admission committee can see as much a picture of you as possible instead of two math teachers or a math teacher and a science teacher. A lot of times showing that that breadth in your character and your characteristics will help the admission committee, especially when it's a competitive school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. And I also want to mention here that if um, if you have more than one teacher that you want to include in your letters of recommendation, you're more than welcome to ask more than one teacher. There's nothing wrong with that. Herbie, you said you wanted to say something? Yeah, one. I do want, you mentioned coaches, and I know that's a popular place to go for letters mm -hmm. of recommendations, but 
in general, the should coaches should be reserved for the character reference, um, which might be your third or even fourth letter that you'll send in with your application, which, you know, you want your teacher recs, your two teacher recommendations, your counselor rec, and then if a character reference or someone who can talk about just your um, your growth as a person, then um, coaches will be a better fit. Thank you. So this kind of, we've touched upon this already um, a little bit, but who should students ask for letters of recommendation? So obviously their counselor. Now I know um, in some larger schools, it may not be easy to get an appointment with your counselor, um, but in most cases, they will be able to send your transcript. They'll have your record on file and will able to answer basic questions and things like the school report. Um, and then of course, you know, your teacher, you want to pay attention to what area you might be applying into. So the subject area, um, like Katie mentioned, if you, you know, if you're applying for engineering, that's great. Um, definitely ask one of your math teachers, but you know, unless they require a second recommendation from somebody in that area, um, think about asking an individual who maybe, um, taught a class that you didn't expect to take or that you really liked and that you did well in. You guys mentioned the other day about uh, keeping recommenders in the loop. What did you mean by that? I so appreciate when a student communicates with me as their counselor to let me know where they're applying, what the deadlines are, um, and when they hear, as the counselor, I get to know most of that information anyway. When you ask a fa faculty member to write a recommendation for you, they get invested even more so than just having a relationship with you. And mm -hmm. so if you're willing, I would encourage you to let them know, hey, I got my application submitted, or I heard back, or even if it's not a favorable decision, just, just let the faculty know, uh, mostly thanks for doing this. Here's where I am at starting over. Here's where I am in the process. And then let me see. And uh, thank you notes and thank you emails. Is that still a thing? I think it, it is most certainly still a thing. Uh, courtesy, politeness goes a very long way. Um, teachers are relative are seldomly told thank you and uh, by by students around this time uh so i can speak for myself when i do receive that occasional thank you note it does go a long way um it, it, it it's just not something we see too often so you do stand out mm -hmm. when you send it and and i'd like to add generally letters of recommendation are not part of our day today tasks or jobs, especially teachers when they're lesson planning and over the past couple of years with all the added duties, a lot of times teachers are taking time out of their evenings and weekends to write our letters of recommendation. So that thank you goes even further when you keep that in mind. Mm -hmm, I'm sure. So when should students ask for these letters? How far in advance from their deadline? Typically, you, you uh, three weeks, uh, I would say, is appropriate. Um, some schools have, it's interesting, I, I have been in schools where I've seen uh, a policy to um, request a letter record recommendation is that it's a minimum of two weeks, but sometimes they don't even want it more than a month ahead. Um, I, and some of the reasoning for that that I've heard is that teachers will, uh, if it's too far into the future, that they could forget or it, they, uh, it could get buried under emails or it could be buried under their mm -hmm. tasks. So it's always good to do 
um, I would say at least two to three weeks in advance um, in giving the teacher um, reminders in a very gentle and a, and a polite way, you know, come, you know, when you see them in your class and mention to your teacher, hey, just let, uh, are you able to get the re re letter of recommendation by next week? Because I think that's the due date. And the teacher's probably going to say, yes, I'll get it in time. Um, you know, don't panic if they don't send it in exactly when you exactly when you set that deadline um because sometimes um some schools do allow a little bit of flexibility on the teacher side i have seen um but typically um two to three weeks i would say something that i in reading applications something that i've seen relatively often is that a student will ask the teacher who gave them an easy in, in the class to uh, write a letter of recommendation um i wouldn't call this a best practice so why would you say it's important to consider who you're asking i love i love that example because if you're a straight a student and you're asking the teacher who gave you an a or you're you're in a student my guess is they're not going to tell the admission committee anything they don't already know from the rest of your application. Mm -hmm. Ask a teacher where you struggled and you got through that, that struggle, you learned something. The teacher is able to share with the admission committee how you have some tenacity or you have some resilience and talk about an example or a time in their classroom where things weren't going well. And as a college student, the admission committee wants to know that you're gonna be able to get a B or maybe a C on an exam and still be okay. So they're looking to find out all of the areas of your academic life and know that when they do give you that admission decision, you will be successful on the campus. Now, I know brag sheets are a pretty big thing. In some cases, um, it's as early as um, you know, towards the end of junior year, uh, maybe even earlier in some cases, what types of things, um, or first of all, why is it important to fill out a, a brag sheet? Um, and secondly, what kinds of things do these forms usually ask? Um, the brag sheet, you know, I, I, I've been, when I first started doing this, brag sheets weren't too common, uh, but it turns out to be something that's absolutely, um, almost a necessity at this point. There are many private schools and um, charter schools that require, um, they may not call it a brag sheet, but like an info sheet where you can give the, 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 the teacher doesn't know everything you do outside the classroom. So as much information as you can put on the brag sheet makes it easier for them to write that letter of recommendation. So they can complement what they observed in the class with your accomplishments outside of the classroom. So if you're president of NHS or if you, ha or if you held uh, certain records in track for, um, for state, things like that, um, awards and achievements that you've, that you've earned, these can go on your brag sheet and make it a lot easier for your recommender to put a little bit more meat in the essay, I'm sorry, in their, um, in their letter. Uh, so I always recommend it. Uh, there are lots of free templates online that you can find, you can look up in case your school doesn't have one preset that, you know, asks you, can you list your GPA, list how many honors classes you've taken, um, list your accomplishments, sports, things like that. Um, it, it just makes the process a lot less stressful for your teacher. It's also a really great way as you're preparing to fill out an application or the Common App, you're going to need all of that information anyway. 
And this is a time where you get to brag about yourself. Do not be mm-hmm. humble in your college application. Your recommenders want to know those things because I get to know students, but I don't always know some of the cool things that they're doing outside of class or outside of school. And this is the place to put everything. Yes, now is not a time to be humble. Tell us all the great things about yourself. Um, and this is a good segue actually, because we did talk, we uh, touched upon this um, the other day when we met to plan this episode. And throughout my years working with students, I could never understand why some students would downplay their achievements. And I, I literally heard a student tell his counselor one time, well, I only created a club. Do you think I should talk about that? And I re- just, now that it's a little bit more in, the public light, um, I think a lot of that has to do with imposter syndrome. Um, And so merriamwebster.com defines imposter syndrome as a psychological condition that is characterized by persistent doubt concerning one's abilities to or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being exposed as a fraud, despite evidence of one's ongoing success. So as adults, uh, we all kind of go through our fair share of this, uh, myself included, uh, but it also means that students are also struggling with this um, and maybe haven't, don't have a definition or don't have, don't understand what it is. How do you both work with students who seem to be having a tough time with imposter syndrome? I have a, I have a story from last year working with a senior that, Definitely fell into that category. Um, young lady, um, very low income, um, actually foster um, in the foster care system. Okay. So, but her her GPA was pretty good, and you know she was very much thinking that she wasn't deserving it to even go to college, let alone to list oh, anything. Wow. Uh, yeah, anything of note on her her um, uh, on her brag sheet and 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 on her application. So. I mean, she had GPA to automatically qualify for our in-state schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I tried, you know, I was pushing her to try to go out to try to find some out-of-state options, some private schools that give, you know, great scholarship packages that I know she could afford. But it, 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 it just took, it was just consistent and steady advising and talking to the student. And it maybe over a span of three, you know, three or four weeks, eventually, we finally kind of got a little bit more of her story out where, you know, I found out that she has been playing violin um, for 10 years and she was first chair in her school and it was a very large school. So these are, that's great. Like, wow. Yeah. Your first chair, you're very proficient in violin. You also play the harp. And wh- why isn't this on your essay? She's like, well, I didn't think it was a big deal. And, um, you know, I think this is where counselors <laughs> really step in and say, no, these are amazing things. There are not a lot of people who play the harp. And there are not a lot of people who play first chair at uh, first chair at a, a school that's almost three thousand students. So, it these we have to encourage them and 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 ask them to put a little bit of trust in us and that we're not trying to embarrass you. We but what you're doing is amazing. Please list it. Please tell your your uh, teachers about it. Put it on your brag sheet because these gives phenomenal insights to your commitment in in your in outside activities and that translates into a successful college application. It does. I, I agree and I love your story. It makes me think about talking with students about their day-to-day life. Tell me what you do on Sunday. Tell me what you do on Saturday. Talk to me about what happens when you go home at night. 
taking care of your five siblings, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Helping at church every Sunday for five hours, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And helping students understand that even though they've been playing violin for 10 years, like your student, Herbie, they might forget that it's a thing because they've been doing it so long and it's so common in their lives, right? And so for us, the outside lens to be able to establish those relationships and talk through and say, no, this is a thing. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Let's, if, if you don't want to brag for yourself, let me do that. And I love that our job as counselors is to help students find that balance, but also help them figure out that the things that they're doing is amazing. Thank you guys. Um, And so what are your suggestions uh, for students when it comes to creating and maintaining professional relationships? So I was, I've been thinking about this and what, what I wrote down on my notes is we're not your friends on discord or TikTok or Snapchat. (laughs) We don't text with you. Um, Please use complete sentences. And, and grammar when talking with us. We really appreciate, um, not that you wouldn't respect us, but we really appreciate respect and asking the question. And if you're nervous about approaching a faculty member or a teacher or someone, come ask your counselor. I'm, I was more than happy to say, let's go talk to that teacher. Let's go ask him. I guarantee he probably will be willing to write a recommendation for you and be excited about it. But if you're nervous, let me come with you bridge that gap you know when it comes to professional relationships i often tell students um it's it's usually a good idea to be is always to be courteous and professional and respectful to everybody because you don't really you don't know who (laughs) your recommender knows Mm -hmm. and it could be that you know you it could be that you, you are you cut up a little bit in your history class and then you're very committed on the football t- field, and then you ask your history teacher for a recommendation, but guess what? The history teacher and the football coach are great buddies. They went to undergrad together, and they know a little, and, and the history teacher knows that you're showing commitment in some areas, and you're taking his class less seriously, right? So it, it, it is important to kind of be mindful of that. Always put your best foot forward. Always remember um, you're representing yourself in, in every scenario, in every classroom, in every game. Um, and, and you want to be consistent and maintaining those relationships um, even uh, beyond the field or beyond the classroom is going to be very important. Thank you, guys. So switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about FERPA. So Uh, FERPA stands for Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. And this is what keeps many of the aspects of your educational record uh, confidential, similar to HIPAA, which keeps your uh, medical record confidential and between you and only the people that you allow to see this information. FERPA kind of acts the same way, except this is your, your school record, your educational record. And most, if not all, applications will request that you waive your FERPA right before proceeding. So, um, and I understand some students have an issue with this for one reason or another, but the reason why it's important is that waiving your right, uh, waiving this FERPA right lets colleges know that you do not intend to read these recommendations and which helps assure colleges that the letters are candid candid and truthful. 
Uh, some recommenders may decline to write a letter for you if you do not waive your rights. And so what are some concerns that you guys are finding that students may have about waiving their FERPA rights for um, when submitting their admissions documents? I think for a lot of students, it's about anxiety. Mm -hmm. And students are able to see so many things about what they're submitting and, and colleges is such a high stakes process mm -hmm. that they're scared that the teacher might write something that they don't know. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I encourage students to always talk with their teachers and talk about their policies, whether they'll share what they wrote or not. But we talk about the fact that this isn't a gotcha situation. It's right. just an agreement between the recommender and the college saying, I can write this letter knowing that I can write things and it will stay between us. It's confidential, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of teachers will still share those letters and share what they write. Yeah, they're, that's true. They're just saying that that they don't have to. Um, my policy is I will always share what I write with a student verbally. Uh, I'll give them a synopsis or I'll even read parts of the letter, but I won't ever give them a copy of it, written, email, um, or otherwise, mostly because I write letters for all of the students and it's just not something we want floating out there. Mm -hmm. but I'm always happy to share the things that I write with students. Yeah. and, and I want to add a, a different perspective. Well, a, a different side of it is, um, it's it, it's also it, it's about there's the part of it's about protecting um, the the protecting the teacher so that they can comfortably write without having to worry um, too much about being overanalyzed. But mm -hmm. another reason why this this you you have you should or you have to waive your rights for certain universities is because they want a, an assurance that the letter hasn't been tampered with. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that has happened historically where um, letters of recommendations are sent under teachers' names and it wasn't under that teacher. So that's another, I just wanna put that, mention that, that's another reason why um, that FERPA um, uh, rights waiver is included in the Common Act. Thank you. Well, we're just about done, but do either of you have anything else you wanna add? If you have questions, ask whether it be your counselor or an admissions rep, we're all here to help and we've all been doing this. I know it's many, many times it's your first time going through the process if you didn't have other family or older siblings, but we're all here to help and we're really not as scary as we may seem. But we, love, <laughs> we love what we do uh, and we, we like to talk about what we do and help students find that best fit. And um, I, I would like to add, it, just to kind of echo on that, that there is help out there for students who feel there isn't a lot of support. Um, there are, uh, if your school does not have a college counselor or if your counselor is a little too busy to get to you, I'm going to tell you the best person you should reach is the admissions rep at the college you're applying to. Call them, ask them your questions, send them an email, and your territory rep will usually get back to you. They are here to help you complete your application. So remember, they're always there for you, just as your school counselors are going to be there. Uh, don't be, don't hesitate to reach out to your admissions reps directly and ask some questions. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I think I think a lot of students feel like their admission counselors are inaccessible or just just too busy for them. But our whole job is to make sure that you're 
you're doing things in a timely manner, getting this information in to make your life easier, to make our life easier when it comes to helping you get into college. So I appreciate you saying that very much. Well, I want to thank you both for joining me today on the podcast. And as always, everyone, if you have further questions about today's topic or would like to be put in touch even with one of our guests, feel free to email us at admission at whittier.edu. Thank you. Bye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to visit us at www.whittier.edu slash admission for more information about college and becoming a future poet. The website also has links to all of our past episodes in case you need to catch up. Be on the look for future episodes as we continue to cover a variety of topics that will inform and empower your college admission journey. Thanks again for listening to the PoetCast.